Hello, I'm Paco Alvarez, and this is The Backstory from Type Investigations, where we sit down with our reporters and ask them to take us behind the scenes of their work. For the past two years, Landon Reporting Fellow Aaron Miguel Cantu has reported on the federal prosecution of protesters, and particularly protesters for racial justice, by the Trump and Biden administrations. In his newest investigation, produced in partnership with The Nation, Aaron and his co-reporter Candace Mallett looked into the prosecution of Don Jeffrey, a Little Rock activist who was among a group of activists monitored by local law enforcement in the wake of the summer 2020 protests that followed George Floyd's murder. In this conversation, we talked to Aaron about how he started reporting on the federal prosecution of protesters, what it's been like reporting across two presidential administrations, and how he discovered Little Rock activists were being tracked by law enforcement. My first question, since the protests in the summer of 2020, you've done several investigations into the unprecedented federal prosecution of protesters. What initially drew you to investigating the federal reaction to the 2020 protests? Thinking back to that summer, the scale of unrest was unprecedented in my lifetime, as was the response from especially the federal government. I think it maybe can be hard to remember now, more than two years later, but some of the really inflammatory and and overtly politicized statements coming from the Trump administration and you know also from attorney general bill barr i i was watching all of this occur and um keeping tabs on federal prosecutions of protesters first you had this unprecedented surge of activity protest activity um rioting activity civil unrest and then the government's response it was it was extremely to me important to to track and to follow you know to the point where i i actually i had a job um and i quit my job in order to track uh those cases full time because i thought not just the things that people were were doing to protest police killings and and uh white supremacist violence against black people um but also more especially for me what the federal government was doing under the Trump administration, I just found it to be very fascinating and, and certainly one of the most important stories of my lifetime. I thought about wanting to document the federal government's pursuit of these cases in such a way that um, it was accurate and useful for you know not just people in the present but even people looking back on on that historic time you know once i began looking at the cases i noticed that the political motivation by the trump justice department was having an effect on the way um, those cases were being prosecuted and to me that felt important to um, elevate and to investigate and report on and I guess, like related to that, what has it been like reporting on the legal fallout of the 2020 protests over two presidential administrations? Have you noticed any differences in their tactics against protesters? I think really what you've seen is kind of the, you know, the Justice Department has been the subject of accusations and inquiries into its politicization. And for good reasons, I think under the Trump Justice Department, you certainly saw the president attempt to use the Justice Department in politicized ways. Um, the extent to which he was successful, you know, can be up for debate. I think at least in, in these cases against um, activists and protesters, certainly there was a strong element of, of politics, you know, motivating uh, the actions of prosecutors in those cases. And then I think, you know, under Biden, 
you've actually had similar accusations from the right. And a lot of that stems from prosecutions of participants in January 6th, you know, to the point where you have um, far right people in Congress uh, you know, holding press conferences, you know, uh, voicing concerns about January 6th participants in pretrial detention, enduring, you know, poor conditions of incarceration or whatever. And, you know, I've, I've heard other, ex- you know, even more extreme statements that, you know, that the Biden Department of Justice is, you know, cracking down on dissent on the right pro-Trumpers. So this question of like politicized Department of Justice has been such an interesting one to to watch and, and to follow. But I think, you know, kind of at least from the perspective of the 2020 prosecutions of activists, racial justice protesters, you know, you kind of see the more mundane ways that a lot of what the Justice Department does is consistent across administrations. Um, I spoke with one person who uh, was a former high-ranking um, official in, in the DOJ under Obama and Trump. And, you know, she kind of explained it that, well, the, the Justice Department wants to be careful to not to not um, immediately drop certain prosecutions from one president to the other, um, because that would risk, you know, the D- Department of Justice being perceived as even perceived as even more political than it already is. So, you know, under the Biden administration, you've just seen a kind of maintenance of, of these cases. Uh, I think one thing I did notice is, you know, whereas you might have had the Justice Department under Trump putting out press releases and statements when, you know, individuals involved in civil unrest were arrested, the Justice Department isn't putting out a press release when those same people are convicted, you know, under the Biden administration. So I think in a way that that says something about the way the the Justice Department wants um, it's it's uh, it wants to be perceived. You know, I think under the, the Trump Justice Department, you had a situation where they wanted to be seen as as tough on crime, as tough on rioting, tough on Antifa even. You have much less of that flashiness and uh, boastfulness under the Biden DOJ. However, these cases have continued for all intents and purposes in, in kind of a, a similar manner. So not too much change as far as changes to people's actual cases. In your newest piece, you mentioned that there's a disparity between uh, how racial justice protesters are treated and how the police handle other demonstrators. Uh, could you say more about that? Yeah. So that was specific to um, the cases that we looked at in Arkansas, specifically stemming from Little Rock. And so this so that was, you know, I've done maybe five or six stories on um, activists from the 2020 historic protests under federal prosecution. Um, this was the first one I think we did that was very much anchored in the in the place where the prosecutions took place. The story really looked at one activist in particular who was very active that summer. She uh, put together a bail fund for protesters across the state. She was well known as an organizer, um, organizer of you know nonviolent protests. Um, she didn't have a reputation as as you know a, a, a bomb thrower or anything like that, and so we we really zeroed in on on her story and requested a bunch of records from state police, Arkansas State Police and the Little Rock Police Department, and they gave us a lot back, you know, to their credit, and they they gave it to us pretty quickly. So we spent a lot of time going through hundreds of email records and and text messages as well, and. 
we're able to essentially, you know, look at every single message, document what it was about, who the subject of, of those law enforcement communications were. And through that larger analysis that took a long time, you know, really saw a, a big focus on racial justice protesters, you know, people affiliated with Black Lives Matter and this this sort of attitude among law enforcement that this is what we needed to watch you know even when a demonstration was um, promoted as as peaceful it was it was tracked by the fusion center um, that nexus of, of communication between local law enforcement and federal law enforcement as if it was you know a potentially violent or explosive uh, event uh, we you know we compared that with the frequency of communications that mentioned, you know, right wing uh, or other opposition to racial justice demonstrations, as well as you know threats to those racial justice demonstrators, and and the record as a whole very clearly shows um, a bias, you know, against the racial justice protesters, as you know, seen by law enforcement as where the potential violence and the potential uh, destruction and threat is coming from. Um, while you know threats to those protesters were kind of ignored or dismissed or downplayed, and we we uh, supported you know our our analysis of those records through conversations and and reporting with uh, others who were present at those racial justice demonstrations, including the executive director of the ACLU um, in Arkansas, who confirmed to us that she also you know voiced concern about threats to protesters. Um, that she that she made those concerns known to law enforcement, and to her knowledge, nothing was done. So I think you know through those ways we were able to establish that kind of uh, institutional bias, at least you know on that local level in Arkansas. When you went into the story, did you know that just uh, protesters were being surveilled, or how did you how did you just dis- discover that? We didn't. I think what was interesting about the story is, um, or at least like at least initially when we were looking at it, was you had this activist who is obviously very engaged, um, very like locally high profile, someone who very clearly was seen as a leader and yet was sitting in federal pretrial detention for you know, at that at that point, it was a few months. So I think that was just a bit of a clue to us that something was something was going on here, and and it was at least something worth looking into. And so it was kind of from that point on that we wanted to scrutinize the actions of local law enforcement, and decided that one of the best ways to do that would just to be uh, requesting their internal communications when things were very volatile. So like, you know, May 2020 through September 2020. And by reviewing all of those communications, we we did identify that this activist, her name was Don Jeffrey, uh, was mentioned by name at least eight or nine times um, by top intelligence officials in Arkansas. And so that, you know, we also supported that analysis again with speaking with, you know, with Dawn herself several times from jail, spoke with uh, many of her friends. We spoke with her sister and her mother um, who confirmed that, you know, she always had this feeling that she was being watched, that, you know, at demonstrations, police 
would seem to already know her name. There's one demonstration where, you know, video shows that uh, police show up and just and just kind of snatch her. They like they come out of their car and say her name and and grab her and and take her away from the protest. And it kind of confuses everybody. And and we established actually that that specific protest was being monitored by top intelligence officials with the Arkansas State Police. We can't say for sure, you know, whether uh, that local police department arrested her because of that monitoring. But you know, it, it fit that pattern of this one specific high-profile Black activist being closely tracked by law enforcement. And then, of course, you had her arrested, you know, federally a few months later. And, you know, and then a few months after that, she had her bond revoked. So I think taken together, it it really does show a a picture of a, a kind of political repression of a racial justice movement. And you know, I think we were very careful and try not to overstate what we found. But I think coming across her name so much in um, those internal intelligence communications, you know, really points it in in a in a in a specific direction that we that we we reported on. Back in 2017, uh, you were arrested while reporting on protests surrounding Trump's inauguration. Uh, how has your own arrest informed your reporting on the federal crackdown on protests? Yeah, I think um, I think that was probably why I was initially so interested in the actions of the federal government and federal authorities around the initial prosecutions around um, the racial justice protests in 2020. My experience showed me in a very personal way that the criminal justice system can work in a politicized way. And I think maybe that's, you know, kind of obvious for anyone who's picked up a book and knows anything about the criminal justice system in the U.S. But to experience it in a very personal way, it's not something that I can easily forget. And I think that certainly made me aware and mindful of certain trends in choices by prosecutors. I think it makes me aware of more aware of which crimes are prosecuted and which ones are not. I think it makes me, you know, more mindful also of things such as prosecutors um, requesting pretrial detention for certain defendants. And that was my initial stories were about prosecutors requesting pretrial detention for a lot of these activists and, and protesters, which, you know, seem to again, reflect a politicized disposition of um, uh, U.S. attorneys across the country. It, it, it's just, it's, um, it's upsetting when you are the subject of an unfair prosecution. It is isolating and alienating, and it's very difficult for anybody to understand that experience often that experience is dismissed as an example of someone trying to claim that they were innocent when in fact they were guilty. It can feel as if the whole world is against you. And so I don't, I don't want to say that, you know, I, I started off thinking that, you know, individuals uh, prosecuted for 2020 unrest were innocent of the stuff they were charged with. It, I was concerned with 
shining a spotlight on the actions of the federal government, because I think in these kinds of situations, it's the prosecutors, it's the state, it's the Department of Justice that has the resources and has the power. And in my opinion, reporters should be shining their uh, their lights on those kinds of institutions in these kinds of scenarios, especially when evidence points to politics informing issues of criminal justice. Um, and that segues nicely into my last question, um, which is, uh, do you have any advice for journalists uh, who want to report on the prosecution of protesters? You're wanting to look at federal prosecutions, at least get familiar with Pacer and install Recap. Um, that's a Chrome extension. It makes it much easier to look at federal court cases. If, so if you're wanting to look at local cases, having a solid understanding of how to navigate um, those those records, you know, being aware of of where those records are are housed, which courthouse is it a superior courthouse? Is it you know municipal? So get familiar with with how to find documents in 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 those places. Uh, and then I think you know good point of a good first point of contact is the lawyers for those defendants. Often they can be very helpful. Uh, other people who can be helpful are. You know, again, if you're looking at federal prosecutions, maybe contact former U.S. attorneys. Um, there's also many, many groups that focus on civil liberties um, that you can contact. And I also think that if you're looking at this from a political perspective, understanding the history of uh, the ways that this country has handled and prosecuted uh, individuals struggling for liberation. Um, I looked and read a lot of literature from the late 1960s and 1970s. A lot of the charges that people were stuck with um, from 2020 uh, were actually innovated back in the late 60s and early 70s, you know, during another period of unrest. So I think having a historical, historically grounded perspective can be very helpful and can you know just just kind of guide you toward asking the right kinds of questions you can read aaron's investigation how to crush a movement for racial justice at the nation or the type investigations website check our show notes for links to more of his work a transcript of this backstory is available at typeinvestigations.org backstory